So I was watching this video on YouTube that was talking about work and labor. They had started the video by talking about this definition of something called bullshit jobs, where they described a job where you do not have very much to do and you don't feel like you're contributing very much, but you're getting paid and you have a job. So you're going to try to pretend that you're working so you can keep that job. Mm -hmm. And then the stress becomes like trying to keep the job <laughs> that you don't think that you deserve. Yeah. And then there's the opposite side of that, that I think both of us were kind of doing mm -hmm. in our work, which was we were doing so much stuff and we felt bad for resting mm -hmm. <laughs> and we like were trying very hard to not mess anything up. Yeah. And that was like, that's like two completely opposite sides of the spectrum, right? Like you have no responsibilities and you feel stressed out mm -hmm. and then you have too much responsibility and then you feel you stressed, stressed out. out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure there's like a lot of stuff in the middle and there's probably like a perfect middle point where you're doing exactly the amount that you need. Mm -hmm. But at least for both of us, like being in that situation, one of the big questions was like, what if I just quit? <laughs> what if I just don't do this? Yeah. And I, that's kind of what we want to talk about today. Mm -hmm. It's basically like that question pops in your head every now and then. And then you convince yourself like, no, it's OK. Like I could this. This is my job. This is what I signed up for or like in time the roles will change or the things will change and it'll get better and then you kind of move away from the question but it it always comes back and it always circles again during kind of pivotal moments in your life and it's really scary because you're so many things are changing at once and so you're like do i answer this question now or or do i like leave it for later and like it's a future gene or future calvin problem and sometimes the answer to that question is maybe I just find a new workplace and mm -hmm. that's what quitting means. But for us, like the situation was like, what if I just do my own thing? Yeah. And that was what's happening there. Mm -hmm. This is not exclusively for people who are already working too. This is probably a conversation that you might be having if you're a student mm -hmm. who is either, you know, you just started working or you're in the process of looking for a job and you're like, what if I don't get a job and I just yeah. do my own thing? What mm -hmm. if I freelance, you know? Yeah. Or especially like with the last year, some people might be thinking this because you were forced to Leave, quit. Yeah. You were for yeah, you got laid off or something and you need to figure out like, how can I, how can I make this work and not mm -hmm. have to go back into a situation where I'm at risk again yeah. to either get COVID or to lose my job again. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So um, if you're happy with your job, you could skip this episode. Yeah, totally, totally not <laughs> If you want to hear about Jean and I talking about us leaving our jobs but you know if you're cool you can just you can just chill out on this yeah. one also i was going to add you know there's a student there's a person who doesn't want to go back after covid and then also there's a person who is working a job to sustain themselves currently but it's not their passion mm -hmm. right it's not what they want to do so mm -hmm. kind of you know these are this conversation is kind of centered around like these three core profiles and anyone else in between but like if you love your job we might not be for you at this this mm -hmm. round today we're going to be talking about taking the leap from being an employee to working for yourself the struggles that we had doing it and the work that it takes to keep doing it because it does take a lot of work mm -hmm. hey everybody i'm calvin and i'm Jean, and this is 27 a podcast about growing up so i guess Jean, for you what is the meaningful difference like in your head and mm -hmm. in terms of like the way that you live your life between mm -hmm. being self-employed and being salaried? I think one of the biggest difference is you feel like you really earned your dollar. And there's a, like there's a lot of obviously like pride associated with that. Um, mm -hmm. What salary provides is security. And I think that's why it's very hard to leave your job or answer the question of like, what if I quit? Because you're really saying, what if I don't have security anymore? Am I okay mm -hmm. with being unsure and the obvious answer is no like no one wants to be unsure right like you mm -hmm. want to know what's going to happen like you hate it in a movie when you don't know if the person is a villain or if they're like actually on your side mm -hmm. so i think that's kind of one of the of the big differences between jumping from salary to self-employment the exciting thing about self-employment is that you never question at least for me i never question um i don't get paid enough or mm -hmm. should I be getting paid less because I don't feel like I earned my pay from my job? You know, mm -hmm. so there is never that denial. So you feel really assured and really accomplished when you do earn that $1 that you make from a client. And you also feel excited to spend it because it's like it feels like everything that's been accumulated in your life 
has really been met with like your hard labor, your perseverance and, you know, all that, all that fun stuff. So there's two like prevailing schools of thought, like economic thought on this, which is like the capitalist view and the communist view. And I don't mean to say communist as in, you know, like a fire alarm, like McCarthy, Red Scare kind of way, mm -hmm. but just as in like an economic description of it. And ironically, I, I feel like a person is more inclined to own their own business if they have a more cynical communist view of the way things are. Mm -hmm. Because the idea is employers exploit their workers because they will always upcharge based on the amount they pay you so that they can make money. Mm -hmm. So when you leave your job and you start your own business, you are no longer being upcharged. All that money goes directly to you. Mm -hmm. But like Jean said, you do not get a steady amount of money because mm -hmm. you need to go and find it because now you are the employer. Yeah. You are the you're the boss. Yeah. And for some people, that's fine. They'll, they'll think of it as a fee. Like I can give up some of the amount of my labor mm -hmm. for the idea that I will consistently get paid back. Mm -hmm. But for some people, I guess for like me and Jean, where we felt like we were working too much or we felt like we were putting in a lot of effort mm -hmm. and not feeling good about what we were doing, mm -hmm. it wasn't a good trade-off for us. Yeah, yeah. This goes back again to our earlier episodes about how you start to think about your future self and how much time you've invested in your past self. And so when mm -hmm. you reach that critical stage of after three years, after five years, you're like, what did I accomplish? I did so many things and I put so much time into it. and what I accomplish isn't really where I want to be. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's within your control to change it. So then that kind of like, you know, gives you the push again of like, how much do you really value the security that you have with the salary? Mm -hmm. And how much do you really value the quality of your soul? In <laughs> 100%, 100%. Right? Yeah. It's I'm like, I like that little chuckle, but like, because it's, you're spending so much of your life in work. So mm -hmm. your soul has to be healthy. And if it's if you're not having a healthy relationship to money, to how you earn the money, there's no way you're going to have a healthy relationship to your association with your workplace, your boss, your projects that you complete, you know. And again, this isn't a reflection of the place that I had previously worked at because I've worked at a ton of different places. Mm -hmm. But it's like what's been cultivated through those experiences to the final mark where I felt like I was grown up to have that question in my head of like what if I quit will I be happier will I be healthier type of thing mm -hmm. there's another factor of working at a salary job or working for an employer that is pretty important I would say which is having distance between the work that you produce mm -hmm. and who you are in real life we talked about it in our boundaries episode but boundaries start to get a little fuzzy when you work for yourself it's hard to kind of set stuff like that mm -hmm. when you come home from the office you can, for the most part, push all of that out of your mind. Mm -hmm. Maybe like 80% of the days. Yeah. You can just be like, I'm out, I'm home. Mm -hmm. I'm going to watch TV and drink a beer. Yeah. And you can't really do that no. as a, as a self-employed person mm -hmm. because, you know, the, your emails are usually still there and, you know, your, your computer might be the same computer that you are, you know, watching Netflix on. Mm -hmm. So it, it becomes really difficult to separate some things like that sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I guess a question that I have for Eugene is what kind of person would benefit from being self-employed and what kind of person would benefit from being salaried? Mm -hmm. I think for someone self-employed is a determination, right? Like you really have to be determined to be self-employed because if it was Jean at 23, when that kind of question first popped into my head, I wasn't so determined. I was like, it's okay. But Jean at like, I think when I quit was around 25, 24, mm -hmm. 25. Yeah, I was like, no, I could do this. When my mom or like any family member or like friends, when they ask me like, oh, can you do something? Or like my mom will ask me like, can we do this? I'm just like, yeah, I'll figure it out. And that's the answer I'll give now instead of like, yes or no. It's like, no, I got it, I'll figure it out. And that's the determination that just kind of comes, becomes into your lifestyle that you're gonna figure it out. You can, uh, you can do it basically. And you have that confidence to do it. Like I got it, no problem. Mm -hmm. For someone who's better suited for salary, is really i want to say someone who's kind of indecisive or someone who has oh. a, who has a tendency to outplan themselves they're like mm. i'm going to start a business but like i can't because i have to figure out where the manufacturer is going to come from and where the fabrics are going to come from and like how to start the business and i need to employ mm -hmm. someone it's like no you're already out planning yourself you're not at that step yet so when you start to out plan yourself it's like okay 
I think you're more suitable for salary because you're looking for security. So until mm -hmm. you're ready to build the confidence to be like, I got it, I can do this, even though I don't know what's going to happen, you should stay salary until you can really, you know, build up that resolve to to really make that jump. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what I thought you were actually going to say when you started that sentence, I, I agree with you what you said, mm -hmm. but I thought you were going to say that the salary person is somebody who is cool to go along. Right. Mm -hmm. Like you're 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 good to be in the passenger seat. Mm -hmm. You know, if you went to a restaurant, you would say, what's good here? And a self-employed person would go to the restaurant and be like, I want this exact meal. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I get like, it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, actually, that's funny because I would assume the self-employed person would be like, tell me what's good here. And then the salary person to be like, I want exactly this. Really? Yeah, because I feel like salary, some salary folks like to have things in control. And that's why they don't want to leave their job because they don't have control of their security. It's so funny because I think of it the opposite, but I realize that it's just flipped. <laughs> a person with a salary wants control over their finances, but mm -hmm. is willing to relinquish control in their professional life. Mm -hmm. And then it's the opposite for a, uh, a self-employed person mm -hmm. where they're willing to relinquish control of some of their finances, but they want to have complete control over their entire professional life. <laughs> yeah. So I guess we're both right and we're That's both so, wrong. That is so funny. <laughs> I guess to be a little bit more specific too, in terms of like job description things, mm -hmm. if you want to work on really big things, if you want to work on like huge team apps or a, you know, designing a skyscraper, mm -hmm. you probably want to, even if you, you probably just need to be at a, at a company, you probably yeah. need to be salaried. You yeah. can't, you can't really do that on your own. No, yeah. It's, you know, like potentially later on but you know it's, yeah. it's a huge build up before you can get there there's definitely those golden star folks who mm -hmm. figured out how to do it the right way or like get the algorithm to push them out the right way and they can work on those skyscrapers but if those are your goals leaving school then yeah go for go for a company you know no one's no one's shaming you for that but if you kind of imagine your life being outside of the the nine to five mm -hmm. that you kind of want to be on your own schedule that's pretty self-employed i mean there are some really cool companies now though mm -hmm. yeah especially it, if you work yeah. remote yeah no there's a ton of cool companies and i think it kind of brings up um the motto that you hear a lot where it's if you love what you do you never work in a day in your life which i think is oh, total total bs I think that that's come full circle because yeah. I think maybe like eight years ago, people were saying that earnestly and now everybody's like, that's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody I'm, thinks that. Either. Yeah. I was like, I still hear it every now and then. I was like, are you six years behind? Like it's, I feel like the, the phrase is really like, if you love what you do, you don't mind doing it all mm -hmm. the time, mm -hmm. you know, which is, it's still a lot of work, but like, you don't mind doing it. Like, I don't mind working on a weekend if I have to. Let's hear about like your specific story. So mm -hmm. we've talked about working so much in terms of other episodes. Yeah. So like, do you want to just go really briefly over the stuff that we've talked about in terms of what it was like working where you were before? Mm -hmm. so I was working at a studio. I was very excited to work there at first. And then as time went on, I started to feel like the, you know, the energy and everything I was putting in wasn't being reflective of my intention. Like I had mm -hmm. really great intentions. I wanted to do my best, but the outcome wasn't really reflecting that. And I think it was because of the way either I had set up myself or the way the environment was set up. I realized no matter what it was setting me up not to be able to do my best. Mm -hmm. So thinking of my future self and also thinking of the goal that I just want to be happy. I was like, okay, it's time to to jump. And also that's when I think my resolve was the strongest to be able to say like I can do this and I will I will leap now. Was there a specific moment or were there like a collection of moments that you can think of mm -hmm. that like really solidified the idea more? Okay, there were three things that made me say it's time to make the leap and also that I was confident to make the leap. And then mm -hmm. the first one was basically if you can crack the code at the company or the studio that you're working at. And what that means is when I was first working there, I didn't know how to design for whatever project or client that came their way. And I didn't understand also that whichever client came to the studio I worked at came to the studio for their specific style, specific thought process and specific look they're not coming there because the team is xyz they're coming there because 
the owner has like mastered her craft. Mm-hmm. When I finally figured out like what the code was to get the design approved, it was like, okay, this is not what I want in my portfolio. Right. So that was kind of like the first step on saying, I need to make a leap because if I don't, then the next project, the next client or the next company I decide to go to is going to fit what this current studio is. And if I don't see myself aligning with that, I need to change. And right. Because what was happening, mm-hmm. what was happening was you were getting accustomed to a style of design that you mm-hmm. didn't want to do anymore. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, I've cracked the code and I don't like the process yeah. of like doing that. Yeah. It's not like it's a bad thing, but it's just, it's not what you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's a, it was a good learning process though. I'm like, there's a formula to things in mm-hmm. life, you know, or there's a formula to solving things, um, but you don't want to get used to it. So mm-hmm. that was definitely number one. Number two was I was consistently trying to find my value in the company and like it would change each month. And I was like, I don't know why it's changing each month. And so after like, you know, three years, I was like, if I'm still looking for my value here, maybe it's just not here. Like maybe I actually have no value in this company. I think the moment I realized I'm not important, I was like, oh, it's totally fine. Like I can go be important somewhere else or I can find my own value somewhere else. And the last thing that made me say like, yeah, I need to take the leap was when I found how I can answer different situations. So before, if someone had asked me like, would you start a studio um, or do you think you can do this? I would outplan myself. Or I'd say like, yeah, maybe one day in the future, I would like to do X, Y, Z, or I can't do it yet because, you know, I have to focus on X, Y, Z. And then my answer changed when I was confident and I was like, yeah, I got it. And then the Mm -hmm. final kind of nail in the coffin part was when I missed my nephew's seventh birthday because we Mm -hmm. had to work on a project to send out a proposal somewhere. I just kind of remembered thinking, Like I could have asked to not do it. And like, I could have asked to not go, like to go home early and everything. But like, what was I like? I I didn't feel like I was in a position or it would have been really responsible of me to say that because this proposal had to get out, you know, it had to be done. And it was only like, well, if we had planned for it earlier or like if you had told us earlier in the day or earlier in the week about it, this would have never had to happen. But then that's when I started to realize there's like no work-life balance. And then I would feel stressed getting like a call sometimes at like 8 a.m. or getting a call at like, you know, 9 a.m. and I'm like trying to rush out the door or like I'm stuck in traffic. And so it felt like I had to be on the clock all the time. And so I was like, you know, if I'm gonna be centered around work in this amount of manner, we have to channel this energy somewhere else. Okay, so I guess we saw the last straw. What 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 was holding you back up until that last straw mm-hmm. that you mentioned? Mm, the security part where I kept trying to go from one job to another, basically. And then mm-hmm. every time a opportunity came up, I started to get really fearful that like, what if they don't like me if I leave? What if they find out I'm trying to leave? Um, yeah, because, that's, that's a know. huge thing. Just the idea that if you left, it would like taint you mm-hmm. in some way to yeah. other people. Yeah. And I started to feel when I was working here, I started to feel how intimate the design industry is. There's different pools that you're in. But once you're in a pool, you just have to go deeper into that pool. And mm-hmm. that was something that I was really fearful about of if I'm presented badly, I'm never gonna like survive in this pool again. You know, that was kind of like a thing until I've realized like, it doesn't matter how much I do now because however you see me, I can't change that. Like I see myself in a way that I'm proud of. If you hear certain things about me, not from me and you don't ask me, there's no way I can clarify that for you. So whatever intention or whatever association you wanna hold, I shouldn't use that as my barrier to make a jump. You know, like, right? Yeah, that's a huge thing. Don't let what people think of you stop you from doing what you want. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. I think once I kind of came to that resolve at like the third time I was thinking of leaving, it was, hey, I'm gonna leave into uncertainty, which is the most exciting thing. Instead of I'm trying to leave from this job and get another job and potentially be unhappy at that job too, because the other jobs I was looking at 
I was like, I don't know if I would want to work here. I just know yeah. that it's the body of work I currently have will swing me that way, but it's not exactly what I want to do. It sounds like there were two major issues with where you were working, which is number one, the body of work you weren't happy with. And then number two was you didn't feel ownership of the things that you were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess one of the things that you might have realized was I can get a new job mm-hmm. and I can be happier with the body of work, but am I going to still feel an ownership about the things that I designed? Mm-hmm. And for you, that was more important than you thought, I yeah. guess. Yeah. It's because I think I'm in a funny spot now where we're in my industry. There's a good mix of people who are business owners and who are studio owners. And then there's a mix of people who are students or still emerging creatives trying to figure it out but not really anyone who's fully established yet and it's like okay i see the eagerness in my younger peers or in my more novice peers who are trying to figure it out and i'm like i am here for you like don't make the same mistakes i did just ask me i will tell you and then i see my senior peers or my you know more established peers And I was like, why do you do that? Why don't you like a tag on Instagram for your employee or your design team is not a big deal. Like if you can tag the brand that you worked for, you can tag your employees that worked on it. It's really not a big deal, but it's because deep down, you don't want your employee to succeed. To have power. Yeah. Yeah. You want your company to succeed. You don't want your employee to succeed. And I think that is the most ridiculous thing. And so at least that's why for us, when we work on anything and especially anything I work on with Josh Rick for Soothing Sister, I'm like, Josh Rick is getting tagged on every single one. Like you also tag me and I'm like, oh, cool. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, you know, the final thing might not be your final design, but I'm like, you thought of the concept, like Mm -hmm. you're the team, you know, it's, it's Uh, not hard at all. It's very much a person's intention and bias. Like if deep down what you're rooting for is your own company, then you need to reevaluate the people you bring onto your team because you need to root for them. I have a friend who works in the like video production industry and she's a very big advocate of crediting people who work on the crew mm-hmm. in addition to like producers and stuff. Mm-hmm. So every time, or uh, she'll always be one to call out if she sees people citing the grips and the like lighting people mm-hmm. and the boom operators and stuff mm-hmm. because they're also extremely important, important yeah. to a team yeah. and their work is really important and they especially don't have very much leverage when mm-hmm. it comes to like negotiations. Mm-hmm. So yeah. very cool of them. So yeah. It's very cool of some teams to do that. Mm-hmm. When you were leaving, did you need to prepare? I know the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. And like, how did you do it and how long did it take? Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure everyone's heard this calculated risk theory Mm -hmm. like you Mm -hmm. have to calculate your risk so before i left i knew how much i needed to bring in each month right Mm -hmm. and i gave myself one month to build new connections which is prep my portfolio website beforehand prep my pitch materials that i needed Mm -hmm. prep my invoicing already and prep my pitch my email pitch and started to do spec work basically on anyone or any team I want to or brand I wanted to work with I went to go look at their stuff did a design sent an email saying like hey this is something I really made or like made really quickly for you just wanted to introduce myself if you're interested let me know if you're not would love for you to pass on the info um and just did that straight up for a whole month and same for you know anything else and then by the time I left basically had a crew about I want to say like three months of work, mm-hmm. which was really was like a good setting or footing for me and also made sure I had one month of savings at least. Right. Mm-hmm. So anything I made, I would put into savings or like use for living expenses. You know, don't go out, cut all subscriptions if you don't need it. That was really kind of like really it was what really prepared me to make the leap into like a secure jump, because if I didn't have work coming in, for the fourth month, I knew I had three months of work that covered the bills. Right. And you had a, a much more gradual like withdrawal process from your company because you did go from full weeks to four day weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Was it, Did yeah. you even get down to three day weeks or it was just four? I got down to oh, it was a 32 hour. No, it was 32 hours. And so then I had negotiated for. Uh, I was like, no, I want, I need one half day. Like Mm -hmm. that is non-negotiable. I need one half day. 
Um, and so then that's how we got into the three full days, one part day and one half day. And I used that mm -hmm. time to really prepare myself into all the prep work that needed to go into looking professional before making the jump. And I think that's kind of the thing with a lot of folks when they make the jump is they suddenly make the jump and then you're in the scramble to like make yourself look branded and professional and everything. And it's like, no, get right. all that situation down first. Get your invoicing to look professional, get your email language down, get, you know, get all that jazz situated. And then the fun stuff comes into making the pitch, doing the design, being creative. Cause that part is the cherry on top. The whole present is that you provide a smooth and comfortable experience for your client. So yeah, I've talked about my old work experience before. Unlike Jean, I was working in a different field entirely. So Jean was working in design, but I was working in engineering. Uh, I was working in structural engineering and doing the design of mostly like luxury condos, some office buildings, some renovations for like smaller buildings. Mm -hmm. It was a really fast paced environment and uh, it didn't help that I was also in a really small office. Uh, it wasn't a small company. Um, it's a company based out of a larger office, but we were just a, a smaller new office. I spent a lot of time doing um, like building analysis and doing like design of different structural elements like beams and walls and columns and stuff. One of the things that made me want to leave was I have my own sort of struggles with like anxiety. And when I was there, it didn't feel like it was acknowledged or um, there was a level of a bootstrap like mentality mm -hmm. that wasn't helpful for me in that moment. Mm -hmm. And I spent a lot of time like trying to fit into that mentality and like trying to essentially like will myself, kind of like we were talking about mm -hmm. in the last episode, like trying to manifest the idea of I can do this, but mm -hmm. it just wasn't happening. Mm -hmm. There were a couple of specific moments that like made me feel most like I couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. The first one was something had come up for my supervisor last minute and I had to go into a plan check meeting on my own. Essentially what a plan check meeting is, is when you are building new construction, you need to go and submit the plans to the city so that they can ask questions and approve and make sure that it's up to code. At this point, I didn't have a license but this was further into the, the plan check and I was essentially a proxy member. So that made me nervous because <laughs> I didn't feel qualified to be there. And then uh, in that conversation, I wasn't able to fully answer questions because I wasn't, I didn't have full involvement in the project. Mm -hmm. So um, by the time that I had gotten back, I did, I essentially didn't progress the project at all, right? Mm -hmm. Like this meeting was supposed to finalize certain things and uh, I wasn't able to, get everything sorted out. So then we essentially didn't make very much progress mm -hmm. in the project. Mm -hmm. And I've, obviously that's not great. Like, mm -hmm. and I, I'll, I take responsibility for that. Like I could have done better. No, I was like, no, you're totally fine. <laughs> you know, cause of what I realized is your supervisor then needed to prepare you much more. Like mm -hmm. he, he or she, or they needed to prepare the materials, prep if there are specific questions that might have been asked and give you those answers or give you those guidance mm -hmm. knowing that you didn't have the license yet to prepare someone up for success there's so much preparation going into it so when they don't prepare you or they don't give you those tools ahead of time they're ultimately just setting you up for failure without mm -hmm. without intending to so i was like i don't think it was on your part at all mr calvin i was like you. yeah <laughs> i think you. it was it was the workplace yeah, I, I was like pretty crushed after that moment though. And I was like, oh, I I had the responsibility to do something and I couldn't mm -hmm. do it. And obviously now with hindsight, there were factors that I was like, oh, this wasn't all my fault. Mm -hmm. And I'm while my supervisor was angry in the moment, never really like held it over my head in any meaningful way. Mm -hmm. uh, it was something that like contributed a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the other things was my like confidant, my like person that I would talk to about pretty much anything in the office uh, was let go because of various reasons. And that kind of was a big blow for me too, because that person was kind of my safe space in terms of mm -hmm. feeling like I could talk to them about anything, whether it was TV shows that we were into or mm -hmm. food that we had eaten or like stuff that was happening within the job. They were like my person that I could go to about these kind of things. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing was kind of a, an overarching thing. If you couldn't tell by the way that I talk with Jean and the way that I like to, the way that Jean and I position Studio DPJs, I really like to help people. Mm -hmm. And I really like to interact with people. And I like to set up systems that help people in the future so that we're not doing the same thing over and over again. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and I, there were a couple of things that I was doing within my old job that I really thought was important and that I was really happy to do, which I, I would do things like make documents that kind of explain our design philosophy within the company, uh, outlining processes and like setting up templates for files. And I would send these over to my uh, supervisor and my director and be like, hey, can you check these? Make sure that you agree with everything and make sure that everything seems good because I kind of want to lock these in for if we hire new people and the mm -hmm. office starts to expand, like I want it to be easy to give them stuff to look at and it's not so much of a burden mm -hmm. for us if we're busy with projects. Mm -hmm. And they never looked at them. <laughs> they didn't really look at them. And I was like, oh, well, I mean, I worked really hard on this and, I feel, yeah. and it's part of my learning process, right? Mm -hmm. Like teaching is part of my learning process. Making sure that I'm able to explain something to somebody else means that I can say to myself, oh, I know this super well. Mm -hmm. um, but I did get the validation of like, you wrote all this correctly or any corrections about the things that I worked on. So mm -hmm. it, it just felt like time that I had sunk into it that hopefully they're using now, but like, I, I, so. I, have, I have no idea actually. Yeah. No, um, I think that's just like a reflection again about like superiors who have been in charge for so long that they don't recognize that you have, there's a lot of preparation for success and like, mm -hmm. especially like new people coming onto the team and systems that have been placed into workplaces, studios mm -hmm. and all that stuff. And like you being the person who is like, I'm going to, you know, make this right. And at least like formalize it or update it. You know, it's really on the responsibility of the company again to understand that that's an investment for the future people that they hire on. To summarize it all into one thing, the thing that made me want to leave was the culture. Mm -hmm. The expectation for what I was doing was you spend time outside of work doing research, reading code, doing all this stuff, and then you come in and you do it. What I had kind of gotten used to in school and what I enjoy in my real life is to work with people and to feel like there is a support network as opposed to a hotline mm -hmm. um, because that was sort of it's very the the culture of my office was very individualistic it was like you go off and do this on your own if you need help come over here and we'll mm -hmm. talk about it mm -hmm. it wasn't like we will support you and we will give you resources and like all that stuff it was like you do all the stuff that you need and come here when you need us mm -hmm. and that wasn't something that jived super well with the way that i work and the things that make me feel comfortable within an environment mm -hmm. the thing that helped me back the most was I guess like the expectation of myself, mm -hmm. not necessarily that I needed to be good or that I needed to be perfect, but the expectation that mm -hmm. if it was a job that other people got through, that I could do it too, mm -hmm. right? And that like that very well could be true, and I probably could have gotten through it, but mm -hmm. I wasn't. I wasn't happy. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's it's kind of going back to that conversation we had last episode about manifesting, where it's mm -hmm. like I knew what I needed to do. Mm -hmm. I had half of it. I had I knew what I needed to do, but I didn't yeah. have the resolve to do it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I like wanted to I, I still was holding on to the idea that like I would have a support group and mm -hmm. I would have something that was like I said, more than just a hotline. Mm -hmm. I think it I don't think there was necessarily a last straw. Mm -hmm. There was just it was all these things piling up on me. I was in therapy. Mm -hmm. uh, not that that's indicative of me being in a bad place, but mm -hmm. I was in therapy talking about it. And I think it was just something that slowly built into the the thing that happened. Like it was basically um, becoming your life and you're not your work, you know? Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, and that's something that I knew consciously, but not, it didn't like penetrate. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's something that I understood from a, a intellectual level that mm -hmm. like I am more than I produce and that, that I have more value as a human being than like doing design work as an engineer. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't something that I felt or like, was a lived experience it was just something that i knew yeah so um i guess it's sort of like sunk in that like oh i can try something else and that mm -hmm. if it fails i mean i can always go back yeah. it might be hard to go back mm -hmm. but i can always go back or do yeah. something else yeah. so i was like you know what it's only going to get harder from here mm -hmm. so let's just do it now yeah. <laughs> in terms of preparation though i live relatively frugally mm -hmm. um there were some things that I, like i was living in an apartment so mm -hmm. obviously i could have been living at home but otherwise like i i live pretty frugally i don't spend a lot of money mm -hmm. so i had like savings in a way uh, that i was just sort of passively building up mm -hmm. any other preparation besides financial mm -hmm. uh i had talked to jean about it like working with her a little bit mm -hmm. um just as like an option and it was when i sent my two weeks that jean was like oh i definitely need help oh, yeah. <laughs> i was like oh, okay perfect perfect <laughs> 
Uh, so I, I guess mine felt a little bit more spontaneous, mm-hmm. uh, even though th- there was a passive like saving of money. Mm-hmm. I think it was the combination of like, I felt done, like mm-hmm. I felt spent. Yeah. And then Jean had something and I was like, oh, let me just, let me just mosey over Swing there. Swing over. Then, <laughs> yeah. Come over yeah. this way. <laughs> so I, I was fortunate enough that it, it could have been a spontaneous thing and that mm-hmm. it didn't need to be a, a two year long plan that mm-hmm. Jean's was. <laughs> seriously that patience is long like in the preparation mm-hmm. planning for it i was like oh my god um, in my defense though i was working for two and a half years so mm-hmm. i guess i was spending two, two years ruminating yeah, on the decision yeah um and i think i also just want to clarify when you had talked about like how to validate working there or validate mm-hmm. the time you spent there and how you know if someone else can do it you can do it too but it's also because I think about um, the people who had worked where I had worked before and each person had been there for like five plus years, almost seven years. And they were genuinely, to me, they looked pretty happy in their yeah. life. And I was also kind of like, you know, if so-and-so was able to do it, like I should be able to do it too. Why can't mm-hmm. I do it? And then I think this kind of like floated with you too, where you're like, where did I go wrong? Mm-hmm. And I think what it really comes down to is... The mental process is different where for one person it's just to like get through it and accomplish it and then for us was like i want to grow like i don't want to mm-hmm. be here forever but if i am going to be here forever i want to make sure i'm not the same person as i was when i walked into that room mm-hmm. and after being there for a certain amount of years was like i don't see any change in my growth or in my confidence level or in the value i feel that i'm putting or investing into this company um, mm-hmm. so I can do it like, and there's proof that other people have been able to do it before me, but our, our desires and what the job is asking for is not the same. Like, did you ever feel that your degree now, since it's not related to what you're doing, did you ever feel like you had to fulfill that? And that's why you also stayed at the job for so long. That's part of it for mm-hmm. sure. The combination of things that were holding me back were number one expectations of myself mm-hmm. that I should be able to do a job, <laughs> right? And that, that I guess kind of spins off from the degree is like, I studied this, so I should be able to do this, mm-hmm. which is not true, especially with engineering where like, uh, well, the kind of degree that I got, I went to a UC, which is more of a research-based school. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you do in an engineering job is completely different than what you do at a research university, because you tend to end up learning stuff like that's much more theoretical and much more fundamental based. Mm-hmm. And then once you get into an office you need to know code you need to know practical stuff you need to go like best practices Mm -hmm. and like the industry standards and stuff and you don't know them i think we should also put a little asterisk that um mr calvin has a master degree yeah (laughs) um that's that's sort of become a joke within my friend group is that anytime i have the opportunity to i'll mention the fact that i have a master's degree in engineering (laughs) um it's fun it's fun to have and i think that like One thing that's nice about master's degrees and PhDs is that you can generally, if you try really, really hard, you can do them for free. I worked as a TA for two quarters. I only was in my master's program for four quarters. Mm -hmm. So for two quarters, I did not need to pay tuition. With a PhD, you're like applying for grants for your research. Mm -hmm. So generally, if you write good grants, which is why people like freak out so much when they're doing like stuff in their PhD, like you're Mm -hmm. trying to get free tuition (laughs) Um, so generally you don't I guess it wasn't so much of a worry of the cost sink it was more like the time that Mm -hmm. I spent doing it but again there's something that you call the sunk time fallacy Mm -hmm. uh, that like oh I've already spent this much time so I should just keep doing it if you don't want to do it you should just stop doing it (laughs) right like the fact that you spent two years doing something doesn't mean that you need to spend another 10 years doing it yeah right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I'm lucky that I had run into some like online comic or something Maybe in like mid mid college, that mm-hmm. was talking about the fact that people live multiple lives, and I always, I always value that mm-hmm. uh, at having that idea in me that I can live multiple lives within my life, and mm-hmm. that it doesn't just have to be, I work at the one office job until I turn sixty five, mm-hmm. and then I retire. Mm-hmm. Even in the last ten years, I've probably lived about five different lives, mm-hmm. which I really love, and that's the kind of life that I, I guess kind of nomadic in a way, where you mm-hmm. just kind of do different stuff that makes you happy, and mm-hmm. then when it when it's done serving you or when you're you feel complete with the thing that you've done Mm -hmm. you do something else and like life is long and life is short at the same time Mm -hmm. so just 
and I got to do stuff. Yeah, no, I think that's a really, that's something to really think about.、Um, and you look fondly back, I think, at those different lives that you、yeah. that you live、um, because you're like, you either recognize the person that you were or you don't.、Um, <laughs> and it's just kind of like, who, like, who was I? What was, what was I doing? Why did I do that? But also, Like, wow, what a fun time that kind of was. I might never be that person again, you know, in the next few years that come my way.、Um, mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm glad that they were part of my, it's like Avatar, you know, I'm yeah, glad they、like、were a- like a, they were my earth sign for that, or earth bender for that moment. And then like I'm currently water or fire. I feel like I'm currently fire、yeah. right now. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a reincarnation that you get to see.、Mm-hmm. It, you get to live new lives and be different people. And I think that's the cool part about being alive is you change. Is there anything that you think has been worse between、um, working in your old job versus what we were doing right now? What do you mean by worse, actually? Like things that you think were either better or more manageable when you were in an office versus now. Because、mm-hmm. for me, it's mainly just finances.、Mm-hmm. I think, and for most other respects, I feel better doing what I'm doing now, except for the fact that I. You make it. It's not as financially stable.、Yeah. That's it. <laughs> um... It's funny because I was just watching this old video that I made in 2019. Mm-hmm. The year end summary video. And when I was watching it, I was like, wow, that girl looks tired. You But, were. That, that、yeah. was before I had forced you to take weekends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, wow, that girl looks tired and she sounds tired. But what I think made her really tired was she was really scared of uncertainty and really scared of not knowing. So I think that video was kind of like, Like, trying to validate to myself, like, it's gonna be okay and it's gonna be a good year. But now, when I see myself that I feel like is better, is that I'm totally, like, I'm kind of excited about uncertainty and discomfort. And, like, it's supposed to happen. That's, that's life, you know? Like, if everything is comfortable in life, are you really growing? Are you really progressing? And I feel like I've gotten a lot better at tackling and, like, I guess just like handling situations that are unknown versus when I was in my workplace. If there was something unknown, I had to figure it out. I had to feel like I was the expert. So I think that's the one thing、mm-hmm. that feels better. What feels worse is always, you know, the financial stuff where I'm like, now I really have to be on top of finances. And, you know, when I was doing it、mm-hmm. by myself, finance wise, I was like,、eh, you know, I'll figure it out. Like, my accountant will help me. But now it's like, no, like, my finances, your finances, Joshua's finances, Marcelo's finances.、Mm-hmm. I'm like, Do we have projects coming in? You know, I think that, that is、uh, one thing that's made it worse is like the financial responsibility weighs a lot heavier because it's not just the money going in, but also the quality of life. Maybe not worse, but just like more stressful.、Uh, yeah. But, you know, other than that, though, I feel like overall I made the right decision because I feel like the impact that we're having in each other's lives and people who interact with us, I feel like we're helping them in a way that's fulfilling for their soul and like opening the doorway for their own opportunities and for them to like bypass certain steps that we had to go through and so that they they can just get through it faster. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I also feel like I made the right decision. Yay!、Uh, it's, it's, been, it's been a good year.、Mm-hmm. Okay, so I guess、uh, before we end off, let's like have some tips, I guess,、mm-hmm. for. Audience members who are also considering taking, especially after hearing our story, if that's like inspired you in any way,、mm-hmm. talking about what additional, like more pragmatic tips that we can give. Yeah. And I guess just to help outline it first, because、mm-hmm. since we've had a long convo now,、um, we're going to go over some business and financial tips, mental health tips,、mm-hmm. and then just future tips in general. I mean, in terms of finances, it's like, Have some money saved if you're working,、yeah. if you're going from salary to self employment or、yeah. to independent contractor, freelancers, stuff, have money saved. I think that's、yeah. pretty obvious.、Uh, mm-hmm. If you wanted a number, I'd say three to six months. Oh, I was gonna, I'd like to say three to six thousand. I was gonna say, I think when I, I left, I had about like maybe 3K saved, and that was just one、mm-hmm. month. Honestly, I think the three to six months, ignore that. Literally, <laughs> like I feel like that when people hear that, they stop themselves.、Um, mm. But I feel like, and this kind, of, this kind of jumps into mental tips a little bit, which is 
know where you are mentally first, right? Like literally, what is your mental fortitude that you can take on? Like it's going to be a lot of stress. That's what you have to be wary about first. One month for sure, at least. And if that's around like 3K, because that was 3K for me. And then you have to put in financial practice for yourself on like, okay, you're not going to go out. You're going to cancel your Netflix subscription. You know, you're not going to go to the gym. You're not going to get coffee. What you're going to do is you're going to secure a set amount of clients that'll get you through the next two months at least. And whatever money you make there, it covers your minimal living expenses because you're going to be living minimally and you're going to put it into savings. Like you can continue to put it into savings because I think after a few months, I had about $10,000 in savings. Mm. which was then what we were able to tap into in March when the pandemic hit. And we did take a little bit of a hit, mm-hmm. a very sad hit, actually, now that I think about it, we took a pretty bit like a sad hit and we were able to pull it out, you know, from that savings before the SBA loan went through. Cause that took forever again. That was like a five month process to be able to just get it approved. And, mm-hmm. you know, you have to have the due diligence on, on putting your future self first. So I think that's like financial tips. One big mental health tip is, I, I think for me is I love a task list. Uh, one of the, the other documents that Gina and I have that we share together is a shared task list where mm-hmm. we can, number one, have everything that we need to do on one place. And then number two, like we can keep each other accountable for it mm-hmm. um, so that I can see like, oh, we were supposed to do this yesterday. Mm-hmm. Gina, did you cover that? Mm-hmm. Not in an interrogative way, but just in like a, hey, just Beaky checking dubs. in kind of thing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's super huge for me. And it also, from the stance of like, I don't want to forget anything that I need to do. Mm -hmm. And also it's nice to just mark stuff as done, even if it's digitally. So it's a huge help to check stuff off a list as opposed to just like having a big cloud of responsibilities Mm -hmm. that you're not sure how far into Mm -hmm. you are. Mm -hmm. Both financial and mental health tips, establish a support network for yourself. Oh, 100%. Yeah, 100. And that doesn't just mean like an accountability buddy. It means like, do you have to move back in at home first? Does someone need to make you food, right? Like, does mm-hmm. Mama Bear need to make you food? Uh, do you need to live with your partner so that like you're not in a isolated space? Do you need to potentially get a second job, right? Like, mm-hmm. those are the things that I think help you feel like you're moving forward and that like you have some sense of security because i think that's the biggest thing that holds a lot of people back when they kind of start to out plan or out negotiate themselves into Mm -hmm. making the leap is that they're like well i have to pay this i don't know how i'm going to find this i don't like not knowing so it's like okay find that security blanket for yourself so that you can focus on what you want to do which is Mm -hmm. you know your own business Right. And a second job doesn't, I mean, it obviously helps with money, but Mm -hmm. it also provides a second place to be. Mm -hmm. Because when you, especially if you're working alone or you're just self-employed doing something on your own, it can be, you can go a little stir crazy Mm -hmm. when you don't have too many other people to talk to. Especially in a situation like now with the pandemic, like one of the things that helps me a little bit is I also have a side job where Mm I tutor uh, middle and high school kids in math and science. And that actually helps me a lot in terms of having something else that I'm doing that stimulates another part of my brain, Mm -hmm. talking to other people in a way that I enjoy talking to them Mm -hmm. and then also making some money. So it's like a second job doesn't just mean that you're giving up on Mm -hmm. your independence. It means that you are supplementing your independence Mm -hmm. or setting, like Jean said, setting yourself up for success. This is a future tip. And this is also part of a business tip. TPH, there's no flow in this section. This is so random. (laughs) I'm like, good luck, Mr. Calvin. Um, This sounds like a funny thing, but I feel like your spiritual self will identify with this, which is like energy flow and business Mm -hmm. feng shui, which is when we first started Studio DBJ and when we started like different email accounts, those email accounts never got any emails, right? Like (laughs) no one knew they existed get the business moving like it is up to you to move your business and what that kind of means is like if i didn't have anything coming in it was like okay sending pitch emails out introducing yourself to different people with your email doing open call for portfolio reviews Mm -hmm. with your email signing up for some email subscriptions like starting to move that flow and then the more energy you put into it the more interaction you put into your business 
the more it thrives. Like you can't let it sit still. You have to push it. Like you have to push the baby on the bike basically. And it sounds kind of dumb, but it's like you start to feel like your business is moving, that your things are going forward. And it's kind of like a sign to the universe that like, hey, you know, she's off the ground. She's ready to go. You need to take her now. Like you gotta, you gotta carry her now. Yeah, I, I think the last thing is nothing is permanent. Mm-hmm. You can see that in a negative way as in like, oh, success isn't permanent. Mm-hmm. But you can also see it in a positive way. Like struggle isn't permanent. Mm-hmm. And what you're doing, even if you've committed to it, there's a level to which, like we said, you can change your mind and you can you can always go back to your salary job. You can always do something else. Mm-hmm. So give it your best effort, give it everything you can. And then when it feels done and you'll know when it feels done mm-hmm. and you're free to just switch to something else. Mm-hmm. You know, it becomes a story, it becomes experience, and it becomes something that you can, you do definitely learn something from it. Mm-hmm. I think I learned this from a business podcast where it's nice to know that a business owner has failed something. Mm-hmm. So that because it gives them experience and knowledge that a person who's only creating successful businesses doesn't have, mm-hmm. doesn't know. Yeah. So calling something when it's done isn't bad. And also that's on one side. And then the other side is like, your struggle may not necessarily be permanent also, mm-hmm. right? Like there's a level to which you can push through something. Mm-hmm. It's on whether or not you have that energy. Yeah. And if you do, then, you know, this struggle is temporary. And if you can't, then, you know, you can do something else. Mm-hmm. And that's just something to remember too. I don't want it to come off in a way where it sounds defeatist mm-hmm. because I know that it can pretty easily sound that way. Mm-hmm. But it's just that if you put your energy into it, hopefully you get something back. I don't know. I don't no. want to guarantee no, that you'll no. get something it's, back. It's, uh, it's the, yeah, it's energy. It's putting it back into it. It's your, you know, your positive thinking for yourself and how you view yourself again. Regrets and failure are a positive thing. Like they they are a very very great thing and like I think that's kind of what is pushed aside in hustle culture and mm-hmm. what makes people afraid to make the leap and what they do to outnegotiate themselves in making the leap is that mm-hmm. they are afraid to fail and it's like mm-hmm. no you need to fail it's good to fail because that again like you want to go with a business owner who has failed or go with the boss who has experienced those things because they understand what it means to rise up again is the best way to mm-hmm. say it and understand like how hard it is to actually get there you don't want to go to someone who's only seen success because mm-hmm. that's such a minimal perspective on how you know the whole industry works or how anything really works thank you everybody yeah. for tuning into the episode uh, we really appreciate it uh, you can find all of our episodes on apple podcasts and on spotify uh, also, we have a newsletter that we release every month. Uh, one should be coming out with the release of this podcast. So if you wanted to sign up for that, uh, just go to studiodbj.com and scroll a little bit. You'll get a little pop up for it. Mm-hmm. Subscribe to our feed and tune in for the next episode. It's going to be about what we see as the line between being inspired by something and copying something mm-hmm. from a design perspective. But otherwise, yeah, thank you for tuning in and uh, we'll see you next time. Awesome. Bye. Bye.